and it was and and that was learned after more than a decade of chasing the stories mm. and buying the yep. hype and 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 feeling like a failure because I wasn't getting the the amazing results that these other people were getting when in fact it was rigged against me to begin with mm. and the, the stuff didn't work like they said it did and even if the, the extent that it did work it wasn't a destination where I really wanted to go and so understand creating the business based on what you want it to be from the beginning. Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hello, founders. Welcome to the show. Hello. So good to be with you all. Thank you for joining us each and every week, tuning in, leaving reviews, doing all that you do. Yes. That, that is kind, and we, and we just love that you do that. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'll send you your check for listening here in a week. Yeah. Hey, um, we're we're recording this late in April. Um, got busy, busy month ahead. Um, yeah. We're what we like to do is is eat our own dog food. Yeah. Um, and I was I was just really grateful. Uh, I just returned back from New York. Um, was at uh, Brian Kurtz's mastermind meeting. Uh, it turned out I wasn't aware of it, that it was the last one that he said he was going to host. Mm. Um, and uh, kind of bummed, Brandon, that that we didn't have you there. Uh, you were at the one previous to that. Um, but I was just really struck. Um, you know, I, I like to say this, Brandon, all the good stuff that's happened in my career has is, is been because of people that I've met and been connected to. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if that's the way the world works for everybody, Sure, but it, I only, I only have good things that come back to when I'm very intentional about getting together with, with good groups and mm-hmm. Brian curates a good group. Yes. Um, and uh, next week uh, I'll, I'll be fortunate. I'll, I'll be heading out to Perry's round table. Uh, you'll be hanging out to Perry's uh, AMN group, which is a different group that he runs. Um, you and I have just been really intentional over the years connecting, uh, you and I are a member of a lot of groups and mm-hmm. we've, we've tried a lot of marketing that hasn't worked, Brandon. Right. No, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, being neck deep in this space, in, in this internet marketing world, we're still susceptible to the latest bright and shiny strategy technique and, and, and what are we missing and how come that person who's claiming all these incredible results are getting that. And yet we just seem to find ourselves in fantastic rooms with people who, who want to serve, who want to sleep good at night, who realize there's, there's more to entrepreneurship in this journey than, than seeing how many X's you can put after a number. Um, And, and you and I have always kind of, resonated with that we've always kind of leaned into that 
not saying we don't want to make X's after our numbers, but it hasn't been our primary driver. And there's times where, you know, as you know, as we work through our own narratives and stories that we've that we've adopted over the years, where it's like, well, is that should I even be in that? Should I even be an entrepreneur if I'm not that concerned yeah. about that? And it says absolutely. Um, and uh, it's the, the quality of people that continue to meet. And the fact that I, I, I've been in rooms with, I just have a neighbor who had an eight-figure exit. Out of, out of, he was a he was a CEO of an oil company, and just the most delightful, down-to-earth human beings. Where mm-hmm. ten years ago in that room, I would have been peeing myself from insecurity, like, right. well, God, what the hell do I have to offer in this room? And we're, we're we have fantastic conversations and great great dynamics, and 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 it's really about that that resonance, that communication and finding the people that realize that this is, there's something bigger than, than the numbers after the, the zero, the zeros and the numbers. Yeah. You touch on something real important there. Um, uh, first of all, is just there, there is a, there's a big step you have to take to get yourself into these rooms. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's a mental hurdle. Sometimes it's a financial hurdle. Um, there will be some sort of sacrifice you have to make. Maybe it's time, you know, maybe it's time away from family or loved ones, but if you're in pursuit of this dream, um, you're going to you're going to have to go on a journey. Mm-hmm. And you know, for us, the the journey has led us to and revealed to us, I'd say, is that it's about the people you meet and who you're connected to. Um, I just gave the same advice to my youngest daughter, who's been looking for she's been looking for an internship this summer, and. I believe she got a lead the other uh, the other night from a connection that is going to be more lucrative than all the things that she applied for. And I just found myself repeating back this wisdom. I said, all the good things in your career, Anna, are going to be from the people you meet, not not the things you know. Um, the mm. things you know kind of get you. It's the ticket to get there. But there's things that you're going to apply for and strive for that you're not going to get and there's going to be things that show up because of the way you show up that is going to there there's good things that fall in your lap. So you mentioned another thing Brandon which is showing up mm. with intention. Um if you show up in a room and you're mentally telling yourself that I don't belong here, um I'm no good, that that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's, you know, um the author says that's that's a magic spell you're putting on yourself. And it's hard, Brandon. It's hard when you're not, when you're sitting in a room with people that are making more money than you, they have a name, they've got a following. It is really hard to sit in that room and not think of I'm I'm less than. Inferior. Yeah. 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 Inferiority. And and you and I are not sitting here saying we've overcome that at all. Sure. Um, we're we're realizing that, yeah, we we have our own value, we have our own worth, and it's really what we put on ourselves. And um uh, you know, our guest today is somebody that I've known going on 15, 16 years. Um, it was because I was at a mastermind meeting that I got to meet Robert Scrobe and we developed a friendship and we ended up writing a book together. And that's been very, very lucrative for my career. It was just another thing that kind of helped put me on the map. And if I wasn't in that room and I didn't have the courage to go up and shake his hand and get to meet him, I, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. So a lot of it, Brandon, is just like, get to the room, 
show up with a with an attitude of I'm going to serve, I'm going to be present, and then be open to meeting new people. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's really that simple, but it's also very difficult. But if you can follow through with those things, you get you get amazing results. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that. Yeah. I so think, I go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to mention, I think, you know, another tool or, or something that you and I have learned and, you know, as we, as we look at business entrepreneurship is not only a, you know, it's a personal development course, it's a spiritual growth course as we're learning more and more, um, but being detached from an outcome, you know, you know, you know, I've talked about with different groups and things we attend and there's been mm. pressure at times. It's like, all right, I got to go here and I got to create business out of this yeah. because, of the, because of the, the, the looming God of ROI and, and then that's, and it's, I respect that a hundred percent. And it's important. It's an important factor, of course, in what we do when we're, we're trying to, to run when we're running a business. The other part of it is there's is uh, Gary V once said, uh, "What's the ROI of your mother?" You know, when you're trying, sometimes you can't measure and track everything in a relationship, a conversation, a cocktail, a conver- you know uh, uh, about life and and the shared struggle of humanity uh, can open huge doors because people see your humanity, they see your integrity, they see who you are. And it may not be in that moment, but it may be a referral down the way. It may be an opportunity that springs up months later. And and I think it's an investment. I think we get to show up and we get to be our best and we get to connect with people. And that pays long-term dividends um, that you may not be able to see right away. Well said. So um, thanks. Thanks for letting Brandon and I evolve in front of your eyes a lot of <laughs> yeah. what we share here is not intended to uh not intended for anybody other than the two of us but yeah. we know that what we're talking about resonates with a lot of you so thanks for always giving us a platform to kind of work things out and uh if you learn some things along the way that's fantastic we'd love to hear about that so uh we're really really excited to introduce a friend of ours uh robert scrobe we just want to welcome you on, first of all, Thank um, you. Robert, it's like you and I have, uh, you and I go back, it's over 15 years, isn't it, man? Yeah, at least. Um, yes. Well, and I think this book that we co-authored was, I, I'm going to say, 07. Um, yeah, let's hold it up. Let's hold it up together. Wow. Oh, six, oh, eight. Yeah. Really proud of this book. This book, this book was by Entrepreneur Press. It's my, I think it was my, I did a, I did a, a book with Entrepreneur Press. I think you and I contributed. It was like a, a compilation book. Oh, interesting. I think I did one there, but then this was the first official contract that I had with Entrepreneur Press, where I was primary author with you, and it was really cool. You and I got to write this book, and then um, have our mentor Dan Kennedy write the foreword. Exactly. And it's actually a damn good book too. Um, it still yeah. is. I was reading it this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you, you could, you know, even though it's 2008 technology, uh, the, the system and the process and the, the marketing strategy is as current and appropriate. And I've got plenty of funnels that work pretty much just like this book says it should. Yeah, this was this is really cool. Brandon, uh, Robert, and I came up with this concept um, called the Five Kings of Internet uh, Information Marketing, uh, and we we built the whole thing around these different these different kings. 
Um, I think the book's still available, isn't it, Robert, on, on Amazon? Sure, yeah. So it's called the official get rich guide to information marketing on the internet. And it's, it's, you know, it's kind of in the style of those entrepreneur book, uh, books. It's, um, you know, it's colorful book cover. Uh, there's a whole series of those. Um, this book was, was written kind of like I've done other books, which is I, I used, I used a writer and spoke it, you know, you and I, Robert spent a lot of time corresponding, with like, what is it going to be about? And just kind of beating the anvil with, with the concepts and then getting a writer to kind of do the detail work. And, uh, um, it was a really, really rich experience. So I'm really glad we had a chance to do that together. Yeah, me too. And I think that we actually recorded several interviews, uh, for each of the chapters. And so there was, there was a, a tremendous amount of source material that, that, that the that the writer had, it could you know essentially edit the words into what it needed to be into a form of a book. Yeah, and we were able to crank it out. Yeah, and then we put this thing in the book, Brandon. You remember these? A what CD. is that? Wait, what is that? <laughs> we put a CD ancient in technology. The book. Looks like a frisbee. I can what imagine people getting that now and going like, "What is this? Is this a coaster? Is this right. where I put my coffee cup?" Yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. Like this was, this was, this was, this was high tech at that time. So, wow. but uh, you've written, you've written several other books, haven't you, Robert? Oh yeah. And and I've actually found that that's the, the that books are really one of my best customer client generation systems today um, that, you know, particularly uh, I was one of the first people to take advantage of the amazon.com uh, sponsored ads program. Uh, oh. you know, that, that has existed in a, in a few different formats for, you know, 10 years or more. And, but it was really only for the largest corporate customers until July of 2018. That was when they created that, you know, it's almost like it was a primitive Google AdWords a sort of format where you could bid on searches and you could bid on other books and be able to position yourself. And, and that was when I was writing the, um, the retention, I just had written and published the retention point. Hmm. And, and I was, you know, there were a couple other books that had gotten out about membership uh, growth and retention. And I would look at those books and I could see that, you know, based on their Amazon ranking, you know, they kind of estimate how many copies that they were selling every month and could tell that they had great volume. And here I am a nobody, nothing, you know, I just put, you know, publish this book and here I am going to, you know, how am I going to get it out there? And I found that by uh, buying the searches uh, uh, for those other books on Amazon, buying searches for my name, uh, positioning my book on those other book pages that I was able to sell a tremendous number of copies. I've sold now, uh, you know, it's what, been about six or seven years um, since, you know, 2018, I guess five years. I've sold more than 10,000 copies of this book. Nice. And there was a an, another book that came out called Subscribed by uh, Dion Zhu, and he put more than $100,000 of marketing and publicity behind his book. And what I did is I went into my Amazon dashboard and I bought 
you know, search results for his name and his book <laughs> title. And, and I bid pretty substantially. And so, but for a few hundred bucks, my book was listed above his whenever anybody searched for his title. And they, um, you know, it, when whenever people went to his book page, my book was the first thing they see. So while it's been great for me, I knew that that was the beginning of the end for Amazon.com because <laughs> you know, it, you know, it used to be that they provided search results and surfaced things that were particularly useful. Uh, but now you go and you search for books by Michael Gerber and you get like 17 other business systems right. books uh, surfaced to you before you find the book by Michael Gerber because everybody else is buying his, his title. Wait, are you suggesting, Robert, that you can actually pay more money and rank higher in a space where people are actually looking for a different book? Are you suggesting that? It's outrageous. <laughs> it is outrageous, yes. Um, so if you have a book on Amazon, you better buy ads with your name on it. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise somebody else will and you'll be ranked lower. Drafting. Um, drafting off the other's success. <laughs> yes, Imagine absolutely. that concept. No one would ever do that in internet marketing. No, marketers well, never kind of, do that kind of never. stuff. Never. Never. Well, and 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 now it's kind of like the, Amazon's gotten themselves trapped. They were they're they have they they're now they've been reporting that number of ad sales for about four years now and you know the the stock market analysts want to see that go up month over or quarter over quarter and you know if it doesn't go up they're they're so they're doing everything they can i get all kinds of emails and you know they're trying to sell more ads to more places um you know so it's you know it'd be kind of like barnes and noble allowing anybody to buy the end cap of yeah. a you know, yeah. just the highest bidder whatever yeah. who you know is essentially it's all going to devolve into you know porn on you know every, <laughs> yeah. everywhere you go yeah. on amazon you're going to see ads for some ridiculous thing that has nothing to do with what you're trying to find right right mark That's who was it was it was it uh Gary V, Gary V that said marketers ruin everything. You know, it's just, it's, it's funny. <laughs> I don't know if I ascribed that hundred percent, but I get it. Well, let's just say we have tremendous power as marketers. We do. And, we do. And, and there's, there's, there's a small percentage of us that like to go to the dark side. Right. Right. Well, and, and I think that there is, there's marketers who put short-term goals mm -hmm. and fast over long uh, rank that higher over long-term values and relationships yeah and you know a amazon was a customer focused business yeah. you know, 20 years ago and that was really how they they ascended and now the individuals that are running it are you know they're forced to report quarterly you know revenue over last quarter or else their stock plummets and you know their company is worth billions less. And that creates this sort of other other incentive. Yeah. We wanna we wanna jump into something. Brand's gonna ask you a question in a second, Robert. Before we do that, I think it'd be really interesting. Um, you and I both have taken the path of working with a publisher and doing self-publishing. I just love to hear your take. Now that book you held up, Robert, that was a self-published book. 
Yes, um, it it was a self-published book, and so I books have, called books called Retention Point. So that's self-published. And and then also, I yeah, I published several other books with Entrepreneur Press. The, right. the 2007, the year before the book that you and I co-authored, the official Get Rich Guide to Information Marketing. And then 2011, this is actually a great book, the second edition of the official <laughs> Get Rich Guide to Information Marketing. Which uh, you know, I, I I won't even think about the amount of time that I spent in writing this book. But uh, I've talked to a lot of people, uh, hundreds who have gotten this book and created a, a business out yeah. of what's in it. Those were all done through publishers. And uh, now almost, you know, I, I publish almost all my books uh, directly through uh, Amazon's KDP program. KDP so is, okay. Kindle Direct but, Publishing. Kindle Got Direct it. Publishing. So let's, uh, this is interesting. We had Mike Capuzzi on who, you know, Robert, um, yeah, a few weeks ago. Um, Talk about why it's like why it's not necessary to kind of have a publisher and we'll call it the nonfiction space. Um, what, what are some of the advantages? You, you've talked about the fact that you you have distribution. You can basically get your book in the bookstore, right? right? And you could pay for access, which is what a publisher would do anyway. What are some of the other advantages that you've that you've realized self-publishing versus going with a publisher? Well, and and I guess let me back up. Um, the, you know, when I was publishing these other books, you know, this official get rich guide information marketing in 2007, uh, you know, the entrepreneur press, they were responsible for getting copies of the book into every bookstore in America. And that's a cold calling process of oh. working with distributors, making them buy it, getting each store to inventory it. And then what my job was, and I spent more than a hundred grand on PR and doing publicity and radio shows all across the country, was to sell uh, a copy or two out of each Barnes and Noble in America. Because <laughs> if they, if 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 Entrepreneur Press was successful in getting it into the store, and then it didn't get sold, it would get sent back. And so the only way to get it to be inventoried there was to get one sold in each store. And of course, there's not, you know, reporting on this stuff of, you know, how, you know, it was just, you just kind of knew aggregate how many books you sold last quarter. Um, there wasn't, you know, kind of a report of, you know, how did you do? But you, you started noticing whether or not, you know, I would go around and, you know, pretty much every place, every town we visited, I would stop and go into the Barnes and Noble and see if my book was in there, and those, and then you'd buy it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that way, I ten of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which was good news. We sold a book. Bad news is we're out of inventory in that store. <laughs> um, but um, but by by moving them through the store, you were able to keep copies in the store, which enabled people to find them. Well, because if they if it wasn't physically located in the store when somebody was browsing. They would have no idea that your book existed. Yeah. Well, now it, the whole system is completely different with Amazon, and Amazon sells a, a, a vast majority of the nonfiction books. And you know, the thing about people who are looking for nonfiction books is typically they have some sort of problem they're trying to solve. They're trying to research information, and they're they're searching for something. 
And so that by having your book in the search results on Amazon really does 90% of the book. Uh, you know, if you know, when you position your book as a solution to a problem, and then people who are having that problem look, you know, you really don't need to be in Barnes and Nobles around America anymore. Uh, because you know, most of the people who have an urgent need aren't gonna get in their car and drive over to Barnes and Noble in order to see if there might be a book on the shelf. They're going to go to Amazon and they're going to search. And that has completely changed the game uh, and made authors and individuals who self-publish have the power of the, of, the, of the distribution and process. And the other thing about it is that these books that I worked with Entrepreneur Press, I got a great deal. Uh, you know, I got introduced to the Entrepreneur Press by Dan Kennedy. I had a great agent. I had a great relationship with Entrepreneur Press. And in the end, you know, this book sells, I think the retail price is like $24.95 and it sells for uh, like $12 on Amazon. Uh, I get about 50 cents per copy of each book that sells. And, you know, so it's kind of nice, you know, once every six months, I got to check for a couple hundred bucks, you know, that still keeps <laughs> coming in from these books. Whereas with this book that uh, sells for $9 and 95 cents, uh, I get, I think it's about $5, uh, five, five and a half dollars for this book. And so this, you know, so I'm generating a nice, you know, few hundred dollars a month, which then goes to pay for most of the advertising that I'm spending. Mm -hmm. And so for, you know, it, so the, just the, the revenue from the book liquidates the vast majority of the advertising spend. And so, you know, the, the client and the, and the people who read this book, they either like toss it out and like, you know, say, forget Robert Scrobe, he's an idiot, or they call. And if they call me after having read the book, often it's like, hey, my CEO gave me a copy of this book to read. <laughs> like that, I, I, have, I have discovered, I am terrible at sales, but what <laughs> I have discovered that that, Bob, is a buying signal. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and they are very close to hiring you when the CEO has given them a copy of your book. Um, and so, you know, the book does resonate with, individuals who be, become great clients. And so by, I, so I think that the, the process is so different now that, you know, finding individual, you're know, writing the book, having it professionally edited so that you, you got the grammar tight, having a, finding a, online, a person that designs the inside is you know, not difficult at all. There's, there's hundreds of them on available. Having somebody who designs the cover is easy as well. And then you just take those PDF files and upload them to Amazon and they send you a proof and in a few, in a few days, and then you can you know, turn it on and make it live. Um, you know, there's, you can certainly make it more complicated than that, but that's pretty much the basics. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Nice. Hey, founders, Robert Scrobe is just a wonderful, 
thoughtful human being, a really great entrepreneur and a really great teacher. And uh, you've heard about his books on Amazon. Uh, his last name is spelled S-K-R-O-B. First name is Robert. Take a look at his books on Amazon. But then also, if you want to get access to some free resources, head over to subscriptionsmadeeasy.com. Subscriptionsmadeeasy.com. Uh, download a free book, amongst other things. And Robert's an expert in customer retention and subscription businesses. So uh, works with a lot of SaaS companies and a lot of uh, uh, information marketers and consultants to build subscription programs. So Robert is the person you'd want to connect with. Subscriptionsmadeeasy.com. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. Well, Robert, I'm, I'm curious about your journey. So take me, talk to me about Ironman training. Talk to me about your interest in that and, and tell us about that part of your life. Yeah, I, um, I was, I, I would, I've lost more than 50 pounds uh, over uh, the last 10 years or so. And it was weird. I never ran. I never really did any kind of sports. I remember in in school, you know, we had to run a mile for the presidential fitness program. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I never could do that. You know, I, I was, yeah. I, I remember going by a school the other day and there were the, there were a, a baseball team was training and yeah, there were all these kids that were like lagging behind the rest. You know, the, you see, you saw all the, the jocks, they were all up front, just jogging. And then, you know, a, a little bit behind them, there were all the, you know, the kids that were like, oh man, just walking. I was me. I, I had <laughs> no ability. And then um, at, my, at my wife's 40th uh, birthday party, a friend of hers had told us that, you know, she started running by listening to this podcast called 5K 101. And you ran when it said run and you walked when it said walk. And, you know, the first episode I listened to it, and I, you had to run for a minute and a half. I thought I was going to exhale a lung. I, <laughs> I, I've never been so sore in all my life. And, um, and then within eight weeks, I was able to run three miles without stopping. And for whatever reason, we fell in with a bad crowd and uh, they made running a marathon seem like that was a smart thing to do. And um, so we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and never would thought like, oh yeah, all right, well, one and done, we'll check that box, right? Yeah, all right, fine, let's let's do this. And so, you know, and this was over the course of a few years. So, you know, 2014, we trained up and we're running uh, marathons. And by 2016, we ran, my wife and I ran in the Boston Marathon. And we're like, man, this is so much training, uh, so much running. We're running more than 50 miles a week. We need to do something to diversify our workouts. And so it's like, <laughs> oh, well, let's do triathlon. And and I can even remember um, my wife, uh, we ran the Boston Marathon again just last week. At, and um, we were talking because I remember in 2016 when we ran the Boston Marathon, I just was like, I cannot believe that people run a marathon after biking 112 <laughs> miles and swimming 2.4 miles. What idiots! Well, um, now I'm signed up for Ironman Lake Placid uh, coming up in July, wow. and we, I have done one already. I've done a full Ironman back in 2020, but um, you know, kind of what I it's it's weird. I was you know, back in December. I was you know the, the uh, really um, 
I was thinking, you know, if I, if you had some sort of disease where, you know, you were going to be incapacitated in a year, what would you really want to do? Um, and I, and for whatever reason, you know, complete an Ironman was one of the things that came up and, you know, like, okay, that's interesting. And then about two weeks later, it kind of dawned on me. It's like, well, you want would if that would be important to you if you found out that this was going to be the last year that you were physically able to do it well then you probably ought to go ahead and do it mm-hmm. um yeah cuz you never know right um so uh so i just decided to to get signed up and you know it involves a uh, i hired a coach and the coach provides uh as coaches do they provide tremendous amount of expertise over how to the strategy of training, how to organize training throughout a week, how to organize blocks of training over several weeks to increase your fitness, give your body a time to rest and recover, and then be able to repeat that so that you can continually grow your capacity to be able to perform. And so now instead of running for you know five to six hours a week, I am doing about 17 hours of, of training a week, maybe a little bit more. Uh, I've got a four hour bike ride this weekend. Uh, had to, I had an hour, 15 minute swim this morning, and then a 45 minute uh, strength training session uh, afterwards. And then I still have uh, mobility and stretching later today. And, but it's, it, it, it it's what the, the main thing is, is I really wanted to do, I've, I've got an amazing business and a fabulous life. It's this, this um, lifestyle business that uh, we were, we're very comfortable. We have a beautiful home. We have an amazing pool. Ama- it's like we're in a resort uh, all the time. Mm. And, you know, it's just very comfortable. And more than anything, I wanted to do something that would be really challenging. And that would uh, kind of break me out of this uh, comfortable place that I've allowed myself to be in and, you know, kind of get out of off of my uh, pedestal pillow (laughs) and really push myself to to hurt and be and and go beyond that. And and that's what I really want to accomplish with it. I have a question. So I've I've done. I did, I think, one 20-something K in my life. And I, I stick with like, I've done like five and 10 Ks. And so here, here was like my biggest challenge for the for the longer stretches was trying to occupy my mind. Like I'd have to go out on my training runs and I'd go run for two hours. And it wasn't the physical that was the hardest. It was like, how do I occupy my brain? And I tried books on tape and music, but I started micro-focusing on every freaking step I was taking. And so mm-hmm. when I think about training for what you're doing and very commendable, my, my, where I go is how do you occupy your mind? How do you train your mind for that long of period? It, it, it was, for me, it was boredom to be perfectly honest, like how, like hours and hours of training. It, it, I, I like physical training, but how do you keep this thing from, from hijacking like, God, why am I doing this? It's, I'm bored out of my skull. I don't want to listen to this book. I'm, I've listened to this song a hundred times on repeat. Tell me that part of the training. Yeah. 
Well, you know, for the most part, while I'm working out, while I'm doing those those long training runs, my you know, I'm occupying my mind by continually asking my quest, other, my myself the question, why in the hell am I doing this? What what in the world has possessed me to do something so crazy? And and yes, I actually uh, went through a phase where uh, you know I, I was doing books on tape and went through you know huge series of books and you know it took I listened to Fountainhead and uh, listened to Atlas Shrugged and you know it takes like three months uh, to do that but uh, but you get through it um, you know I you know I think the 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 key I think the key thing more important than any is to have a goal that you're working towards mm -hmm. and that um and for me this this year it's a goal that is hmm, i could really fail because because really what my goal is is to get the iron man done in 12 and a half hours which is you know in in the world of iron man is not even like it's a nothing thing i'll probably be 50th in my age group and, you know, this is not a particularly, you know, sexy thing in this little world, sure. but for me, it is a huge big deal. Mm -hmm. And it's going to require a, a very high level of preparation and focus. And, and I could easily blow up and not be able to accomplish this. Mm -hmm. And that's why, um, you know, I've, I've got a coach, I've got the training, I've got the nutrition, you know, we're doing everything necessary. And what that having a goal that is actually a little bit scary, because that's what what's one of the things like, you know, so many in, people in business is they want, uh, you know, complete assurance that what they're, they're about to do is going to be successful. Hmm. And all that's fine. But the problem is, is the moment it feels like ah, it's not going to be successful, they're done. And what you have to do is start with a goal that, you know what, this really could fail. And it'll be pretty damn embarrassing walking a marathon or, you know, then like everybody I've told, like, oh, how'd it go? Yeah, it went great. Um, <laughs> but um, but, uh, but the, you know, the thing is, is by putting yourself out there and creating a challenge, it brings focus to your mind that you didn't know existed before. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of that chatter and nonsense goes away because there's the fear that, you know, you got to, you got to get done what you got to get done in order to make sure that you're able to accomplish what you've set yourself to do. Mm. And, and that then overrides a lot of the, the negative banter or, you know, demotivators around boredom. Mm. Gotcha. What, what he's saying, Brandon, is that he's mentally superior to you. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's, I'm getting that's that. all he's saying. I think in so many words. Uh, and and yeah, God bless you, man. I like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Clearly. But, Clearly. But you and Robert are cut from the same cloth um, and that you just really enjoy putting your body through a lot of fucking hard <laughs> things. This right? is true. This like, is true. That's what I admire about Brandon. Robert is like, Brandon will go like, oh, I'm going to go take up windsurfing. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. I'm going to go nearly drown myself for a, for a weekend just because I want to put, I want to get through the experience. So oh. I think you two are very similar in that way, which is kind of, which is kind of funny. Don't mind doing things that you could fail at. Yeah. 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 Tonight's so, jujitsu competition class and every, every Wednesday night I'm failing. 
<laughs> and, and loving it and learning it and 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 redefining what failure means and and putting myself there and and it's like okay brain what are you going to do this time you know what's this going to feel like yeah and it's and, it, and i think that we give ourselves permission to do that in jujitsu or triathlon but we don't do as much of that in business mm. and and that you know, we, we want to create a product or we want to create a book and dang it, we want to make sure that the book we create is going to sell. And, and I think one of the, the clearest things of all of this is like my first book, I, I was proud of it. I, I'm glad to get it done, but it really, but was by no means my best. Uh, the mm. best, of course, is the one I co-authored with Bob Rickner. Right. Of course. But, of course. Uh, but, uh, but then Standard. beyond that, I, I, I was, you know, certainly able to now crank out things that really like, you know, the, the book that I co-authored with Perry Marshall yeah. is actually a pretty, pretty succinct work of art um, mm. where, you know, and, and I never have been able to, to create that in what was it 2020 or so if I hadn't been working for, you know, 13 years uh, on other types and other iterations and and you know i didn't even know that this was even a possibility or something in the future but by starting and doing and allowing myself to be mediocre uh, i was able to create something pretty damn good that that book just so people who are listening that book is it's kind of it's about the it's a little bit bigger than like a, a notebook page but it's as thin as what would you say is it eighth of an inch thick at most yeah it's like 32 pages, I think. Yeah. Oh, my glasses on 36. Um, this, th this was kind of a breakthrough. Um, obviously, Brandon and I work with Perry on some of the promotional stuff for this book. And I, I think what was remarkable about it um, was you took a really complex subject and you basically just kept hammering down, hammering down, hammering down. There's literally no fluff in a book. I mean, it is it is a book and people look at it and go, OK, what am I going to learn from a 36 page book? Like, oh, my goodness. It is like every word is very carefully chosen. Every graphics carefully chosen. Every concept that's presented. There's no waste there. There's no fluff. That is a huge undertaking to write a book that short is way more challenging than writing a book that's 150 or 250 pages. Right. And the book title is Detox, Declutter, Dominate, How to Excel by Elimination uh, by uh, Perry Marshall. And he asked, and Robert Scrobe. But the, <laughs> the, the um, and, and I think all, all that is true, Bob. And, you know, I, and also it, the book is also self-published. Uh, yep. And what that has, you know, Perry's other books are all published with professional publishing companies. And so when he tries to use those as a lead generation strategy or have a book sale funnel, you know, he's, he's buying them at wholesale plus shipping, which, you know, in the end is probably, you know, it's almost the same as what an Amazon prime uh, delivery price is. It's not yeah. that great. Yeah. And, and so the cost per book is high. Whereas using the Kindle Direct Publishing platform and being able to buy at author prices off of Amazon, it's I, I think it's three dollars um, to get the book delivered mm. to him, which is a third at least of any of his other books that he does. And so if you're trying to do 
a $1 book promotion or a $10 book promotion, the margins of getting that book delivered and in somebody's hands of a self-published book. So it, you know, like going back to our, our comment before about self-publishing, that's another thing that unlocks is you're able to buy the books yourself a whole <laughs> lot cheaper than uh, you would through a professional publisher. 100%. So one thing I really like about you, Robert, is, well, first of all, you're a great dresser. You never like, you never look like Brandon and I, you're always like <laughs> sharply dressed. Ever since I've met you, you've always had kind of oh, a sport coat. Um, but you, like, it doesn't surprise me that you were going to, you started going down the public accounting CPA route. Like, you love structure, you love order. Like, you can see it in the way you operate your business. You can see it in the way you train for your triathlon. Like you love details. You love things to line up. What caused you to turn from like, I'm going to go work for a firm to I'm going to go in a different direction. I'd love to hear how that, how that shift occurred in your mind. Yeah. So I got a job at a public accounting firm in 1993 and uh, at the, at the firm in our office, there was about, 27 people that worked in this in this office all together and um and you know on on the phone it, you know, we we all had these corded phones on our desks and uh through the phone system when you whenever the handle set was down and you weren't using the phone the phone played the country music radio station here in in town and and so the um the, for whatever reason, you know, that, that was the station that had been chosen by the firm that they were going to play. I think it was WKTK uh, FM, uh, you know, the country radio. And the, that summer that I was working there, um, they, they, the radio station had this big promotion. And that if you, if you were the third caller when they played Achy Breaky Heart, then, uh, then you and, and you could tell them the amount of the pot, then you would get to win the pot. Well, but this was complicated. This was not just being the third caller because here at the firm, there was 27 of us and there was only five lines uh, for the phone system. So you had to be, when you heard, when Eggy Breaky Heart came on, you first had to be one of the first five to grab the phone and press the line out. So that way you had a line and then you could dial and see if you could get through to the country music station. If you, if you were successful on those two accounts, we had you covered because it on the firm of server, we had a Lotus one, two, three file where we carefully kept track of each promotion, the date and time and the amount of the pot. So that all you had to do was load that up and you knew what the, what to guess was uh, if you were able to be that third caller. And after about three and a half months of this, I decided that this was not the career for me, that, you know, that, that maybe someday somehow winning the cash prize off the country music radio station wasn't like the chief aspiration of my daily pursuit. Um, <laughs> because, you know, this was like a dozen times during the day. You're like grabbing the phone. Like, ah, oh, I didn't get the line. Oh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and so, um, so I, it was about three months and I decided to leave there. I took a job as a bookkeeper for a company who uh, did consulting with nonprofit associations. 
And then five years later, I actually bought the company and I had uh, 27 different associations that I was responsible for doing membership marketing, uh, doing uh, conference registrations, uh, doing uh, sponsorships, exhibit sales. And, and that's really when I leaned into learning direct response copywriting, because in 1999, everything, you know, there was some in, we had, we had websites and members only sections of, of websites, even in 1996, but all the outbound marketing was done through direct mail. And the, and, and what, but, and that was really where I discovered Dan Kennedy and learned my craft. And I was able to share some of the sales letters and marketing materials I did uh, with Dan and around 2003. And he invited me to be, be part of his mastermind meetings. Uh, and that was kind of where all the rest of the for-profit stuff kind of yeah. launched. Well, but that's, it that's all where started. We met because of achy breaky heart. Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying our show today. It's wonderful talking about Robert, learning about his journey, um, learning about the type of guy that he is that can go and train for Ironmans. And it's so for easy for me, maybe it is for you to see the parallels between the training for an Ironman and the discipline and the planning and, and the way he's run his businesses over the years. What a great story uh, that he gets to tell. So if you're someone who's wondering, how does my personal story, how does my business origin story fit in to the, my outreach, to me attracting the perfect customers for my business, I want you to go to strategicstoryplaybook.com. That is something that Bob has created that is absolutely fantastic. And uh, it is a way, it is a beautiful tool to map out your story in a way to kind of put some relevance around and figure out what where exactly does this fit and why should people care and how do I deploy this uh, it's a fantastic tool real easy to fill out but it's going to guide you through how to map your story out and suggestions on how to deploy it once you get that done so go to strategicstoryplaybook.com it's completely free and uh, get a copy for yourself now let's get back to the show you're listening to the innovative founder now back to your hosts Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. I, so, so you have twenty-seven account accounts Spinning in a bullpen in my head right now, right? Yeah. Oh my like, god! I wish I could get it out. Of, maybe that's. I, wrote, I think. I think that's what motivates me to go run is, is uh, to try to expunge <laughs> it from your brain. Yeah. Try to forget. God, just heart. try. Yeah, it's uh, just virus. just the height of productivity is is twenty seven accountants in a bullpen waiting for uh, a, a radio a, before a song to play. Like that, that's <laughs> hilarious. That's hilarious. So you kind of skimmed over a detail. Um, yeah. You went to work for a non for profit. And you did consulting, and then you bought the company. You sounded like uh, the guy uh, Gillette, or right? It was like <laughs> it, I loved it so much that I bought the company. How, yeah. Tell, tell us that. How how did that come about? You, you know, so by there there wasn't a lot of I I, I was able to bring a lot of uh, professionalism to the company. They uh, what the what the what the founder and owner was brilliant at was the customer service, the retention piece, uh, membership sales, the, the philosophy around how to work with your members and customers. And, you know, one of the things that he you know, really drilled into us and, and me was, you know, your member may only call one time a year. 
and that you know you you may not only have one chance to retain that customer and that you know you got one you know one shot where that person needs something from you and you and this is our opportunity to demonstrate that we care and that we want to keep them as a as a member and that philosophy changes how you approach everything when those when you're engaging with your customers and 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 so that's one of the thing it's it's a brilliant strategy but one of the things that i was able to do is really operationalize that we created some cost accounting processes we updated our billing systems we we really uh, created a better financial framework for our company and how we track what we delivered to our customers uh, kept track of the amount of time we were spending and so that we could measure the profitability of of what we were doing and like accounting stuff accounting stuff and then we also did the marketing because i was able to operationalize marketing systems now the actual copywriting was you know compared to direct response stuff was primitive but it was still effective when we systemized it and we you, we were able to get it in front of buyers on a consistent basis yeah. and so that marketing system uh, were things that I was implementing in you know 95 96 97 that allowed us to grow quickly uh, we collected lists we mailed to lists we, we had a whole lead uh, flow process uh, where we were we were tracking and that that enabled us to grow we hired a bunch of people and 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 so, and then it kind of at the same time you know we made the business a lot more complicated than the owner really cared to deal with and and so it provided an opportunity for for him he wanted to go pursue other less complicated things and i was able to acquire the business oh cool <laughs> and, nice and, and, and I had the kind of the systems background. Now, the, the whole process of going from peer to your colleagues to owner of the business and that transition is absolutely horrific. I don't wish it on anybody. Um, <laughs> Tell us the story about that. Oh I'm sure God, they all well, welcomed you. They celebrated. They brought in, you know, cake and there was celebration. Yeah. And of course, they listened to everything you said and, and followed your lead immediately. Right. That's exactly they, they how it were, they were as welcoming as the Afghanis when the U.S. <laughs> troops arrived. <laughs> and, oh my God! Uh, you know, trying oh to God. sabotage everything about the say, uh, like, yeah, uh, let's blow stuff up now. Um, <laughs> uh, Give um, us a story. You got an example of that? Like, yeah. Well, this is this, this was so one of the things um, I, I had I had gotten a. Um, Part of the sales and the marketing uh, that we had in our contracts, some incentives, and I had gotten a seven thousand five hundred dollar uh, uh, bounty or you know commission on a particular uh, customer, you know, particular contract. And at that time, uh, you could buy everything Dan Kennedy sold, uh, all of his products for four thousand five hundred dollars. And so I invested. Uh, four thousand five hundred dollars of that seventy five hundred into getting all that, and one of the things that I got was Dan Kennedy's customer appreciation seminar, where mm -hmm. he, it, among other things he said um, eighty percent of your profit comes from twenty percent of your clients, and so I actually went through and did all the math 
And I figured out like, all right, well, we actually have quite a few clients that are cash that are, you know, you know, cash negative. And kind of before we always had this thing of, you know, growth, growth, growth. And I said, well, you know, what if I got rid of all but the 20% that, and, and, and that's exactly what I did is I, I, I cut from those 27 clients down to the eight that were profitable. And I also cut the team down from about 20 to, I think it was two or three. And that was in 2001. So uh, as I was to July of 2001, sat down, got, had a big old company meeting and, uh, you know, good news. Good news. Um, <laughs> they're out. Um, yeah. Yep. I'm not going to do this anymore. And, yeah. uh, and, 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 and so, so that was, um, you know, there were crying, there was anger, there was, you know, cussing, there was all of that. Uh, and then I let everybody else speak. Um, but um, but then the the but then we but after two months it was it, all that had subsided <clears throat> and then the next thing I did is I raised prices and I actually tripled and quadrupled the prices on the clients that I kept and that next year twenty you know, two thousand and two was massively profitable. It was, it, that was really the thing that allowed me to be part of, you know, invest in Dan Kennedy, you know, seminars and coaching programs and things like that was eliminating the stuff that wasn't profitable, that wasn't contributing, uh, even though it gave me pride to have all these things. And it, I had a lot of pride that in those clients, even though they weren't profitable to me as a company, I had accomplished a lot for them. And I was losing a relationship. I was losing a story to tell of how I doubled the membership rev, uh, the, the membership fee and increased the number of members. And like, it, 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 there are great, historical examples in that, that because they weren't profitable and contributing, I had to let them go. And mm. then I had to have the guts to go to my current clients that now I had whittled down and asked them to all, it was on average, I asked them to double the amount they were paying. And because I kind of figured it's like, all right, well, these are all profitable. I'm going to ask them all to double. And then that way, if I lose half of them, then I'm still where I was, but with less work. And in fact, they all uh, paid. And, and so then that was then, you know, formed a basis that I was able to grow off of. Well, let's, let's, as we kind of get, get to the, to the close on this, Robert, you, you mentioned like right now um, you've got a, you've got a great business. Um, rather than talk about that, I want to, I want to talk about what you described it as a lifestyle business. So mm -hmm. For so many people, they throw that term around. Um, I'd like to hear your process because I know you have a process. What was the process to kind of figuring out what that business would look like and how you got to the point where you can actually say like, hey, I can train 25, 30 hours a week and still have a profitable business. I'd love to hear kind of how you arrived at that. Well, the, the key thing was, is I stopped watching, I stopped listening to what people were teaching and I started watching what they were doing. And hmm. and in that, you know, there's a lot of people out there selling products and selling things and telling you how to live your life. 
And what I, 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 I turned all of that noise down, but I would kind of dissect their business and see, all right, you know, what are they selling? What are, you know, how do they back end? Is that something that I want to deliver? Is that, you know, how, and I kind of backtracked and built a business uh, that you kind of, you know, right. So you got to have a customer acquisition process that you're able to liquidate the cost of. Uh, the, and, and I like to have it liquidated within the first 90 days. And it's okay to go negative, but you got to have upsells and processes that within the first 90 days, you have your customer acquisition cost paid back so that you don't have to deploy any more than three months of marketing money uh, in order to generate a lead flow. And then you need some sort of continuity revenue on the back end that allows you to you know, grow that from the lead acquisition standpoint and then be able to fulfill on it. And so those were the, the kind of the core elements. Then the kind of the third piece was some sort of high priced uh, you know, service or product that you could sell that would generate periodic profitable paydays. And kind of putting those three pieces together uh, was the was really kind of the key. And what I, again, is it wasn't something that, yeah, there are pieces of this that people sell and talk about. In fact, I think even in the 2012 a copy of the official Get Rich Guide, you know, I teach some of this, but it was really getting down to what people really do versus what they teach and then figuring out among what I see people actually doing, what it was that I wanted to try to make happen myself. How, were, how were, were you able to discern that? So you've got the guru that's teaching. How were you able to see what they were doing? What, tell us what you oh, mean by that. Well, I would often be buying it um, and you know, actually buying the thing, going to their seminar, maybe being in their coaching program. And that would give me a sense of the economics. Yeah, because you can kind of count the people there and you know okay. kind of what the revenue was and you can kind of see kind of how much money they're spending in order to put the thing on and what kind of marketing they did and how much. So it kind of gives you a sense of how the economics work in the business. And then I can also sense the behavior. And so one of the things that you see a lot of people, a lot of famous marketers is that they are constantly driving this machine of selling and selling all the damn time and every single email and every single way. And they're always doing a promotion and they're always on Facebook live. And they like, you know what? I, you know, that guy, I, he talks about how he's got, you know, this multi multi million mm -hmm. dollar business and how successful he is, but you know what? He is, uh, he's scared as hell and mm -hmm. that he's got an overhead to pay He's got uh, bills, he's got a staff, he's got uh, you know, maybe even an ex-wife and all that stuff he's got to pay for. And, and he has got to hustle in order to try to make that work. And, and, and I, I've seen, I see that with a lot of individuals within the product launch uh, area where they do this big product launch. And if it doesn't work, uh, it, it's, it, you know, it's a failure for the year. I saw it with seminars where people would put on events and then all mm. of a sudden they didn't get as many people that showed up or the people that showed up didn't buy the coaching program. And so now they're, un they're underwater and in debt and they got to come back 
or they forgot to pay the IRS. And now like all that stuff, if you just do a little bit of planning and forethought, grow with through cash flow and 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 figure out the unit economics of the front end, it's so much easier. It doesn't mm. have to be hard. Mm. That is that is that is so much wisdom and such an example of discernment, Robert. Like it's so easy to fall for the illusion that is being or the story that's being told. All what you're talking about is you just you just get a little bit deeper into the book and understand what's going on and, and giving and basically digging for the truth. That that is just so much wisdom there. I can't even like it's just like gives me goosebumps. That is just really, really wise sage advice, Robert. Thanks for sharing with that with us. Well, and it's very kind of you to say that. I, it, and it was and and that was learned after more than a decade of chasing the stories. And buying the yep. hype and 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 feeling like a failure because I wasn't getting the the amazing results that these other people were getting, when in fact it was rigged against me to begin with, mm. and the, the stuff didn't work like they said it did. And even if the, the extent that it did work, it wasn't a destination where I really wanted to go. And yeah. so understand creating the business based on what you want it to be from the beginning and then uh, backfilling, all right, I'm going to need customers. I'm going to need to pay for those customers. I'm going to need to, you know, like you kind of backfill the economics in order to make the thing work for you. Mm. Man, that is so good. (laughs) Yeah. As a a former Kool-Aid drinker of internet marketing, I, I resonate with that completely. Uh, Had the stacks of information products and, and the big promises and, yeah, it's funny, you know, Perry talks about it with his Amway, Perry Marshall, our friend and your co-author, um, talks about his Amway experience. And, you know, he and I have had lots and lots of conversations about it. And there's this story that we buy into, right? And like you said, if you, you pay attention close enough to the behavior versus the story. And sooner or later, you start to say, wait a minute here. Something isn't quite as it seems. This is not adding up. Yes, I'm trying to do the math. I'm trying to stay in there, but yeah, it's it's a game of, of um, keep trying to you know bang your head against the wall to get the kind of results that are being told in a story, and it's just well, a story. And and I was in Amway as well, and um, kind of got distracted, and I, I did I I I figured it out probably eight years after. Um, and that was kind of the one of the best learner, are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I ain't saying I'm smart. Um, the, <laughs> the, um, but you know, that helped me understand that there was a story with the internet marketers too. But yeah. with, with, with one of the things with Amway, what it would kind of finally set in is they tell the picture of how the economics work in this business and how amazing it is. And then at the same time, they're selling cassette tapes. And, you know, because this was back in the 90s and, and that was yeah. what they sold. And that like, like if, if for some reason you came across used cassette tapes because of eBay or you bought cassette tapes at some other event from some other downline, this was like a massive like they're all about wealth and all about free thing, free enterprise and all about, you know, there's there's this you know, infinite possibility. But at the same time, like if you buy a cassette from the wrong store, then this is the end of the world to them. And, and then I, if I figured out like, 
the cassettes are the damn business. It's not it has nothing to do with yeah. the products that they're that they're selling. They're making all their profit on the cassettes and <laughs> not necessarily on on any of this other stuff that they're showing on the board. And mm. that's kind of like, oh, so the story they teach you is often self-serving to them. And so they teach you these ideas of smart, the people who are building a business are the ones who buy cassettes and they're the ones who grow faster. And I was like, oh, that that may or may not be true. And I'm not saying it's not, sure, it probably sure. actually is true, but it's very self-serving to the person who actually happens to own the cassette store. Completely. And, <laughs> and so there's a lot of that within the internet marketing space where people are teaching you about marketing processes and they own the system that you build that marketing process on top of. of course. Or they're teaching you about long copy versus short copy or ugly versus pretty. And they happen to be in the business of delivering ugly long copy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it could very well be that ugly long copy does outconvert other, but it's a, they're teaching you what they is, what they have to sell, which then led me to, oh, that's how I need to write my book is to sell exactly the ideas that I want to deliver in my lifestyle business so that when my customers show up to buy, they are already pre-trained to buy what it is I happen to be offering. And then two, I need to ignore anything anybody tells me because it's probably self-serving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a lovely that's a lovely uh, conclusion to come to at the top of the hour. Yeah, usually, <laughs> usually we have a rant there, but that Robert that like sewed it together perfectly. That was perfect. That, yeah. that was a perfect rant. You slipped yeah. right into it, so that's fantastic. Yeah. So um, obviously, Robert talked about uh, the books. They're available on Amazon. Um, go to the book. Don't click on Robert's ad because that cuts us money out of his pocket. Right. Um, <laughs> right. What What about web? Uh, uh, resources, websites, things like that, Robert, that people can find you? If if, uh, if you'd like to see the more, there's also, I got a free book at subscriptionsmadeeasy.com. And if you are interested in creating a new subscription, adding a subscription to a business or launching a subscription business, there is a, a nice, another nice visual brief book at, that you can download of digital version of for free. You can buy it on Amazon if you want, or you can download a digital copy at subscriptionsmadeeasy.com. And Robert Sports, that beautiful, beautiful bald head like yes. the rest of us yes. here <laughs> on the Innovative Founder Show. Right. That yes. is one of the requirements to be in the in the in the in the tribe. The upper, so right. Upper upper echelon. Right. right. Shiny. Shiny well, Robert, it is, it is always a joy to uh, get to talk with you. I'm so grateful that our friend Brian gave us opportunities to see each other, Love give it. each other a hug and connect like this. Um, so proud of your success. And thanks for all the stuff you've done for me and thank for you. the internet marketing community at large. You're one of the good guys. Oh, thank you. It's an absolute honor to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, so Robert. good to have you. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.